how did this black girl get up there except that she was some sort of like rock climber or some sort of something? And so as I began to like learn and dig into her story, what I found, Morgan, is that she was an everyday, is an everyday young black woman like us who just found the courage and did the courageous thing at the right moment. So I want to tell people a little bit about her story so that you and I can get into the lessons from that story. So are you ready for just a few quick, fast facts? Yes, please. I thought she was a rock climber too. And in fact, no, she was. if you're here on this, no, Brie, if you're here on this phone and you know, I don't even know you sister, but I'm glad to have you. If you are, thank you for retweeting today. Um, I really, I have to admit, I think I a little bit dismissed her because I thought she was a, you know, an anarchist rock climber who hung out with white people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, know I don't know that. anything about her. So I'm so excited for you to tell me anything about her. And even if she was that, listen, I welcome all black women because people think that about me because I do have a lot of white friends and I do like to climb mountains. <laughs> like, but that's, I was like, oh, because she's brave because she, you know, been in proximity <laughs> to brave. Right. <laughs> that's ignorant. But oh no. my God, that's so ignorant. No, no, no. So <laughs> yeah, actually, sorry, she grew up, people. No, so she grew up in Columbia, Maryland in the 90s and she played piano. She ran track. Her father was um, the the um, her father was a president at Howard and her mother was an educator and her father actually Clarence Newsom he was one of the, two of the first black people um, on scholarship at Duke so she does have an athletic background I will say that but she grew up in Columbia Maryland and her parents obviously like beautiful people who like oriented her to her like her spirituality and to education and she grew up understanding that her um, her her great-great-grandparents, Theodore and Minerva Diggs, which, by the way, I love that name, Minerva. Uh, Theodore and Minerva Diggs were actually in, yes, enslaved in I like Humbert, Theodore South and Carolina. Minerva Diggs. I like the whole name. I like Theodore and I Minerva Diggs. It sounds like and the best grandparent ever. <laughs> so Theodore and Minerva Diggs, who were enslaved in South Carolina, um, were her great-great-grandparents, and she learned that she was the descendant of their first child to be born free. She's an artist, Morgan, and she ended up going to NYU, and I think you'll love this. She's a filmmaker, and she even won Woo-hoo! like the exact same... I know she even won the exact same award that Spike Lee had won, I think, when he was a filmmaker there. And she said in, in a couple of the... <laughs> yes. And she said in a couple of the interviews that I um, read about her that it was when she arrived in New York and started to witness the Occupy Wall Street movement that she became like kind of really awoken politically. And after, shortly after that, two years later, of course, Trayvon Martin was murdered. And that's when she really said she had to drop everything and start to get involved. So for her, that was like her moment. And she started going to several protests. She was heavily involved um, in the Michael Brown protest. She was, um, she marched 11 miles in Ohio um, for the murder of John Crawford. So she was an activist who, who was a student who was inspired to start to get out in the streets and do something. This is one fun fact I learned about her. I have to pause and let y'all know. She met her husband, Marcus Bass, at a protest. And I just want to let y'all know that if you're looking for, you know, a conscious-oriented brother, you might need to be out in the streets trying to find him. So she met her husband um, at a protest. And that's how she became really politically involved. But it was this one moment, Morgan, that happened, this moment that the world um, was shocked by. But I don't even know if Black people in this country were shocked by. But that's when on June um, 17th, 2015, when 
someone walked into, I'm not even going to mention his name, into Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston and murdered nine people. And then it was in that moment, Morgan, that Bree said she knew that she had been reading about and understood that this wasn't something that was just a story that was had happened past. It was happening in real time. And she was called to act. And so from there, Morgan, it becomes a question of how does a 30-year-old girl who ain't ever climbed a rock, who ain't ever climbed anything, get down to South Carolina and what happens? And this is important for all of yes. the allies on the phone. Yes. She did hook up with a group of activists, and they were down there, and they asked themselves an important question, which was simple, something we all should ask ourselves, well, can we just take it down? Like in all of the debates that were going on on the news and across the country about the Confederate flags and the legislation and what was going to need to happen, they just got together and said, but can we not do this herself? And so she was down there with a group that did come from the environmental protection movement, and of course, yes, a lot of those movements have skills like climate and polls. This is a lesson for all of us. Connect with our allies and learn the strategies that we are going to need for our own See, revolution. I knew it. I knew it. Yes. Let's pause there for a second. Yes. I've been around enough white people. And I'm telling you, what you learn from white people is gumption because when they've been in power for that long, they'd be like, well, just do the stuff. But I'm just saying like that there is some courage to glean from our allies that, listen, I, I'll speak for myself. I sometimes question my agency. I sometimes question my agency yeah. and being around people who are diverse. And it's not even just white people because here in Africa, I feel the same thing. When, yeah. when you don't come from a legacy of subjugation, which I do, I personally yeah. do. My mom desegregated her high school. My grandmother was abjectly poor in a sharecropper and my great grandmother was enslaved and she got out of slavery. Um, if you are not, if you don't come from that legacy, you have a sense of entitlement to your dignity and your, and your humanity and agency that you can do something about it if it's not. And, yes. and dare I yes. say that I am actually just learning that agency right now. And so, I, but I'm also wise enough to know there's people out there who are doing this stuff. That's why I was like, I assumed, I assumed that she was like an environmentalist or something like that. I'm grateful that she actually hooked up with people who was like, we don't need to be how to climb a pole because I'm gonna need to know I'm gonna need to know them skills too. Give us that number. Give us give us all that number. We need girl trek rock climbing one oh one so we could get ready for the revolution. This is resistance training. Let's go. Keep going to that. So that's good. It is. But here's something that's even more powerful about that, Morgan. Although she was down there with a diverse group of people, they all as a group had the foresight to have a conversation about who amongst them would be the person, the most impactful person to actually make the climb. And they had a real discussion about it. And they decided that because Bree's family was from South Carolina, and because she was a Black woman, and because even that she had experience with the media and felt that she could be comfortable to, like, handle some of the media attention that would come after. So they were, this was, this was brilliant, strategy. Brilliant. These were, these were brilliant. people who got together and said, like, this is a strategy. So they said, we needed somebody who could then help her over the fence. They needed a lookout. They needed somebody. And this is, again, strategy. They're, everybody brilliant. got a position to play in the movement, y'all. I might need to just drive the getaway car. I might not be able to get up the Poll. That's what Morgan, I'm saying. Like, I'm saying, what, what, you, what, what is your barrier and who is your team? Yeah, I'm saying that right now. I'm just thinking, okay, what do I need to do and what positions do I need to get played? That's what I'm saying. That's good. And don't be oh, mad. By the way, don't be mad if your position don't get enough shine as the other position. I want to tell this to the movement right. leaders of the world because God sees 
God sees the good work that you do on behalf of the kingdom to liberate your folks in the way that you do. So don't worry. All of us, all of us have felt like that. I have a shout. I have a shout out to you, Vanessa. Actually, I have a shout out to you about that story. When we first started, so Vanessa and I are the co-founders of Girl Trek. I play the role of CEO. She plays the role of COO. Because of those three letters, I sometimes get invitations that she doesn't because people are not comfortable with shared leadership. Uh, That's a long story, but they're not comfortable with shared leadership. We are. So sometimes we'll get invitations, and the invitations are resources that's going to come to our organization. So it's Vanessa be like, we'll take it. Stop playing. <laughs> what you know I mean? So one time, we didn't even really know about this fellowship. I won't call their name, but we didn't even know about this fellowship and how like prestigious it was, but we knew it came yeah. with funding. They asked me to do it. They didn't ask Vanessa to do it. And it actually was some of our peers in this space that were really pressuring Vanessa like, well, that's wrong. Well, why don't you do it? Why don't you blah, 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 blah. And she shut them down with one sentence. <laughs> At a conference, I remember she said, well, somebody got to be Tito. And she kept walking. And I was like, what you said? <laughs> That's my girl right there. Let me be Michael right. for this round. You're going to be Michael at the next concert. Yes. I was like, That's the kind of women you want in your life. And she didn't even entertain them. She just kept walking. She was like, somebody got to be Tito. So I just want to give you a shout out. Thank you for being such a good friend. Thank you for allowing me to shine. And I hope that you get all the sunshine you ever deserve. Yeah, yeah. So keep going, keep going. This is good. Yes. No, no, no. I love you too. No, so they they had a conversation. They they decided a strategy. And she was intentional about being chosen to go up there. And I want people to know that, to understand even that we all have a role to play. But then she said, Morgan, and this is also really important. She said, that when she agreed that she was going to do it, she asked everyone, could she just have a day? And she didn't want to talk to anyone. She said she knew not only would it be dangerous, but that it could be life altering and that she couldn't really talk to her family about it. So she took time to pray, to meditate, to read scripture. Even the day before, she said she took the day before off to pray, to meditate, to read scripture, because we know this is spiritual warfare and she was getting herself right. And the day before she went up there was the day that Barack Obama was giving the eulogy for um, South Carolina, um, for Reverend Clementa Pickney, the man, one of the victims from the um, AME church. So he had given the eulogy just the day before, and his eulogy was a reminder of the systemic oppression um, that Black people had experienced. And she said even that kind of put her in the mindset that she knew this really was going to happen. And from there, Morgan, it was just a flawless plan. They had joggers looking out. They had people over here. They showed up in they suits. They did a whole, you know, she had somebody um, who helped her climb over the fence. And then this actually happened. She climbed over the fence and actually hurt her hand. And this is the moment, y'all, look. Right before you get ready to climb up, right before you get ready to climb up, even after somebody the has devil is you alive. over, yes, the devil you is might alive. stumble yes. and fall and hurt yourself. But the good sister said, no, I'm getting back up. So she got back up. That's how you know. That's how you know. It's always one of those things. That's how you know you have to press on. Yes, follow your gut. Yes, whatever. But when when the devil just shows up trying to take you down, that's when you got to press on, y'all. That's when you got to press on. That's so good. I'm sorry. This is good. I don't know anything. And this is the best part of the whole story. I literally enacted this part of the story several times last night. I ain't going to lie. When, I, when she got up there, and it's on YouTube, and I put it in the resource list in the e, um, in the email, so please watch it for yourself. When she got up there, the police was like, you got to come down. And I promise 
she didn't really have a Miss Seely voice, but you know, just imagine that her whole fingers are pointed out and she just looked at them and she said, in the name of Jesus, this bag is coming down. You come against me with hatred and oppression and violence. I come against you in the name Ooh. of God. This flag comes down today. And I promise you, Morgan, that I believe that that shifted the atmosphere in this country and that over the last five years, as we have started to watch these Confederate monuments topple and all of these groups come and all of this conversation happen, this today was for us to celebrate that this movement started when this Black woman, who, as she was led away, decided psalm 23 that she was the one who created this monumental moment to start to get the energy it was her in this moment so i'm just i'm excited to celebrate her morgan today i'm excited to talk about her and i want to first of all i had a couple of lessons from that that i had just written down first of all was stop asking for permission y'all the group just said can can we not just do that our this ourselves and they did it and i want us to ask ourselves in every area of our lives where lives where can we stop asking for permission and start doing for ourselves individually and for ourselves as a community start educating our children collectively start cooperative economics start investing in our community start loving on ourselves start teaching our kids about family and everything like we where can we stop asking for, for permission and do it ourselves especially by the way morgan and i know this might be a controversial subject but as we're talking about kids returning back to school in the fall and what's happening i'm like man where, how, how do we start to just get our babies the knowledge they need directly and not like be in this space i really have been asking myself that and i don't even work in education yeah well, I did. <laughs> right. No. And it's funny. I was thinking about this conversation and I was like, when is, first of all, never ask permission to save your own life is the single best sentence that you and I have come up with over the last yes. couple of years. Um, because yeah. we glean that both from, from our sister, um, Bree Newsom, but also all the way back to Harriet Tubman, like stop asking permission to save your own life. And it has yeah. really changed my whole mindset about things. And I was trying to think about this conversation and I was like, when have I been brave? Cause I certainly have not climbed a flagpole, but we did walk a hundred yeah. miles on the underground railroad to pay respect, but, but courage, like real courage under danger. And I was like, it was kind of when I left my teaching job. And I know that sounds like lame compared to renew some, but as you're talking about that, no. I was like my whole career trajectory, I had become a principal. I was like very, I was more successful than anybody ever dreamed for me, a a girl from Wichita, Kansas. And I should have stopped there really. And it was scary to say, I want more. That was the scary, that was the bravest, bravest thing for me to do is to say, I want more. And um, so that's not related to your question per se, but I will say one of the reasons I, I said that, one of the reasons I said that is because I really felt like I, and I still feel like half the teachers in the public school system are deeply depressed. And I was deeply depressed. And I was like, I'm not going to stay in this depressed state without doing something, which was a small move for me to start my own nonprofit. Um, So, so that was my great moment. It's kind of related. And if I were a parent, I'm not a parent, but I would really be looking at my options right now. I really would be, I'd be saying like, how do my students start to learn about the real heroes? How can I continue to supplement the education if I can afford and have the capacity and will to get collective with our education of our kids? Can we do it in in some special way? Like I would really be thinking about it right now. And how do I keep my kids physically safe? 
intellectually yeah. safe, spiritually safe right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. A question. It's funny even talking about bravery to me. I, this is a plug to Bree Newsom's Twitter. Everyone should definitely follow her on Twitter. I don't actually even use Twitter. Shout out to Jewel, who sometimes goes right to my tweets, but. But sometimes when there's like a political issue in the country or people are like on one side or another, especially like black Twitter about something, it's actually Bree's Twitter I always go to just to check myself like, are you being a punk or are you being radical enough on this issue? And then I always kind of like see where she lands and then I'm like, yeah, yeah, just keep on pushing because you thought she was being brave, but you really ain't being brave. So um, everyone should follow her on Twitter. So no, I agree with that, Morgan. The other thing that I took away, though, from um, learning about her, this was really powerful to me because, and it's why I started the call with um, Sometimes You Have to Encourage Yourself, is she was reciting Psalm 23 and Psalm 27. And Psalm 27, myself, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold in life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I have personally repeated that in moments of just like, I don't even know how I'm going to get out of this moment, but all I know are those words to come off my tongue. And this is just a, we remind women on a lot of the episodes of this, if you do not have a mantra, if you do not have words to speak over yourself, If you do not have your go-to lyric, quote, scripture, something that when when your own mouth runs dry and your own kind of spirit kind of defies you, that you can't go to those words and pull from it, you need to get those words. You need to get those words to pull you through from moment to moment. You have to have them. You do. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. That's mine, girl. Every time I'll be scared, because I'll be scared all the time. I have to say it. Yeah, I have to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. It is. And then the last thing I'll say before we wrap up this call, Morgan, and this one did kind of break my heart. And I don't know where I, it's just one of those things that we have to deal with as black people who put our lives out there at risk um, for the work we do. But one of the things and one of the stories I read about her, she said that she remembers when she finally called her mom to tell her um, that, you know, what had happened and that and she, that she was in jail. And she said her mom said, we love you, we support you, we just don't want another martyr. And I was just oh. like, yeah. Like, I also just want to acknowledge that even though we are, I'm grateful she did this work and I'm grateful for all the people who do this work, like, I just wish we didn't have to do this work. And I am praying for a world where we don't have to, you know, which is why Girl Trek exists, so that we could do the work and also not lay our bodies on the line and practice self-care, but also just so that we can live. You know, I do want that, and I hate that our parents and our families have had to live with that type of fear imprinted on them for so long. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we're under this illusion. We really are under an illusion of safety. Um, And the fact of the matter is, is that we have so many modern day martyrs that we, it's normalized now. So I'm grateful that her parent, her parents are super educated and, um, yeah. and powerful as you, as you describe them. So they understand the context, but oftentimes, you know, it's interesting, like even how the news has been painting, um, our activists now who are demanding justice as, you know, all these different things, um, violent as, um, destruction, destru- destructive, all these sorts of things. These children, these young people, these college-age students, these older activists like we are, um, are literally putting their life on the line, and history will write it down. But just yeah. to talk about James Baldwin, nobody actually knows when you're in history. 
It's, you know what I mean? Nobody right. understands right. it. So it requires yeah. another generation, your parents to tell you, listen, girl, this, you know, this could go one way or the other. And we, we were, we have witnessed it going another. So I'm grateful for the elders. Shout out to the elders. We gonna act right. Yeah. Y'all. We gonna yeah, act right. Me too. Me too. Oh, Lord, shout out to the black parents out there, too. We're going to do a whole other call because, see, I keep telling you that there's a trend amongst the activists that I notice that they have these strong foundation of, like, of parents. And I, um, and Why don't you tell people what you really said? No, I'd be sad, y'all. I'd be sad. I'm a kid who grew up who always had to have a guardian sign that parent or guardian thing. And I am a kid who, like, never had a concept of, like, parent, like, mother, father together. I've never experienced that, known it. And so I just be bitter. I just be sad. It's a trigger for me. It's a trigger that I've actually recognized and now can turn into gratitude. But I used to just feel some kind of way when people have parents. I really did. It's sad that I could say that as a black woman. I know. Vanessa was like, Vanessa used to be like all these two pair of people. <laughs> no, I, I was like, all these two pair of people. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Oh you don't God. struggle. Yeah. You don't struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I do believe black love yeah. and black family is the revolution. I might end on that note. I will say I do believe that that is the revolution. So. Yeah, so listen, let's talk about monuments in your lives now or barriers or things. Oh, I have a, I actually, I don't know if we want to even talk about the Confederacy. It's part of the reason why I put um, her beautiful portrait on the thing, because I always yeah. imagine that if we celebrated her, we would have a picture of her taking down the flag. But I don't even want to yeah. promote the flag. You understand what I mean? I so I was just like, let me find that beautiful um, um, photograph of her. But you remember we used to work at DLJ. Vanessa and I used to work at this investment banking firm where we was the only black girl for miles. And we used to act <laughs> all kind of inappropriate, all kind of inappropriate. Well, I had took that job all the way to D.C. when I went to Howard. I transferred, which is ignorant when you have a college job and you transfer. (laughs) I had transferred to Washington, D.C. And I used to wear a daishiki every day because, I don't know, it wasn't even in style. I'm not that old. (laughs) I wear it every day at Howard. I was acting crazy. And, um... And I worked with like the heads of all these government agencies and it was scary. It was a scary place where I worked and they were doing all this investment and all these scary things. And um, there was a, a, a secretary there and once, and she, and people, um, thank God, feel comfortable. People of all races and stripes um, feel comfortable talking to me because I'm a kind person and I'm a loving person. And she was a white woman yeah. and she was older than me. And she was, she was like, you know, can I ask you a question? And I was like, sure. And um, she was like, why do people get so affected by the um, Confederate flag? And she was like, I grew up in the South and it really is a part of our heritage. Lord, look. And then it was just a pause. It was a period, pause, pause. Now I have on a daishiki, I'm sure. I'm at Howard. I'm leading protests for Amadou Diallo. Like, she knows who I am. But she had that agency you were talking about earlier. He had that agency you were talking about earlier to go ahead and ask her burning desired question. That's something we better get on on black folks. Yes. So I proceeded to tell her why, and everybody knows why, you know, everybody knows it's a relic of the enslavement and destitution of black people. But for me, it was a moment. But can I tell you something, Morgan, actually related to this story, the history of this green news story that I forgot that I do want to say that I did not know. Yeah, please tell it. Yeah, please I tell it. Hold on, let me let me clarify. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me clarify before yeah. people think I support the Confederate flag. It opened my heart just a little bit that because I actually felt like she was being sincere. 
I actually yeah. felt like that she had been taught. It's what James Baldwin says. White people have been duped the most in this country. And if we can find yeah. love for white people who have been duped the most to perpetuate this white supremacy, then we can change it. And I sincerely believed that she was sincerely asking, first of all, but that she felt an allegiance to this as yeah. a heritage, as a heritage. Yeah. I really found it. And I had, it had never dawned on me that there were regular, quote unquote, white people who felt like this was a part of the heritage. I thought it was Dukes of Hazzard racism. But anyway, go ahead. I still do, but no. I now have a little bit more compassion, <laughs> no, which is no, also healthy. No. But go ahead. But one thing I didn't know is I had assumed that that flag had been flying over the state house like forever, like since the Confederacy laws, but like they just never took it down or something. But actually, I didn't know that the flag was intentionally raised in 1961 as protest against the civil rights movement. So some of this stuff that folks are trying to say <laughs> Wait, 1860 like, or 1960? 1960. Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Right. So I'm just saying, like, you had real strategies of terror against our people that included symbols right. that were allowed to fly over the state house. So when we're talking right. about your heritage, don't be mad at us that it's whack. Like, don't be mad at us. Yes. Call your ancestors and, and, tell, and ask them, like, why y'all didn't do any more honorable things. Like, don't be mad at us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of my dearest friends in the world, who also is my ex-husband, Keith, he used to get on me and he used to be like, stop complaining and ask for what you want because I will give it to you. He's a great guy. I, don't, I know y'all. What was I thinking? Why I get divorced? He's great. Shout out to Keith. He told me to yeah. stop complaining and ask for what you want was some of the best advice he ever gave me. And I kind of want to put that charge out to all of us. If there's yes. something that has been bothering you, ask, can we just take it down? If they, Stop complaining about how the society is treating you and let's actually take action to solve it. Because sometimes it is a simple solve. And sometimes it may be, it, it, it's just a trigger that's going to create a narrative or a social movement. Um, and sometimes we're just going to solve it. You tired of seeing that disrespect and Trump the Capitol take it down. And I'm not advocating for violence because she wasn't violent. She was strategic and she was brave. So that's a question I'm going to leave asking. Like Morgan, yeah. stop complaining and ask. Yeah for what you yeah. want. Ask if you can yeah. do it. Ask for God's strength to fortify you in doing what needs to be done. I am deeply inspired by this story. Me I mean, too, me too. We to start doing people that one of us don't know, because I didn't know a lot about this, and it made the conversation really juicy for me. I'm going to see if I could do somebody yeah. you don't know tomorrow. I know who we plan to do, but I'm going to see if I can do somebody you don't know. Okay, no, let's switch it up. Let's switch it up. And I'm going to leave everyone with this last reflection before we get into, um, we're going to leave you with Bree Newsom's actual um, words from an interview that she had, but just a reminder of the last reflection that we walk for these 21 days as we listen to this conversation because it is resistance training, because Girl Trek has always believed that there would become a time where we would need to be healthy enough to stand on the front lines for our families. And this was just one example where really it was mental health and spiritual health and also physical health. And sisters, we have got to get healthy, got to start taking care of our temples, got to start loving on ourselves, got to start pouring into ourselves. So let these walks be a start for you. Tag a friend, tell her to join you tomorrow. Um, we'll be here for the next 19 days. Um, and they can start on day one if they want. And Morgan is going to have somebody tomorrow who will surprise me. So we can't wait. Yay. Good job, Vanessa. All yes. right.
This is not new. This is a this is part of a long history and, and, and a pattern of white supremacist terrorism in this country. I think part of what people are struggling right now, uh, struggling with right now is recognizing that it is terrorism for whatever reason. But but the reality is that the greatest terrorist threat in the United States is and has always been from white nationalists and white supremacists. Um, Heather Heyer her her death is part of a tragic and long history of white allies who were standing with black activists fighting for justice who lost their lives, who were killed by uh, white supremacists. Of course, one of the most um, famous cases um, was the case of uh, Cheney, Goodman and Schwerner, three civil rights workers who traveled to Mississippi in uh, 1964 to register um, black citizens there to vote. And they went missing and they were their bodies were discovered several days later. And it you know became clear that they had been murdered by the Ku Klux Klan working in collaboration with police. Um, you know, so again, I, this whole question about, you know, is it terror? Is it not terror? Um, that is a question that should no longer be asked. It absolutely is terrorism by every definition. Not only are these acts of violence that are um, intended to to cause terror, but they are also politically informed. It, it is people using terrorism as a tactic. 